Sports Talk with your host, Robert Lamb. Welcome to our first Astros postgame show of the postseason 2018. And hey, it's fun to talk after the Astros go up 2-0 in the series against the Indians. And RG Seal, my partner, is along with me. And brother, I tell you what, it's nice to have Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole on your side. Yeah, I mean, those two, the Astros have a pair of aces. And hey, uh, you know, we've been talking so much about bullpenning and battle of the bullpens that it's nice and and refreshing to see that still starters in baseball matter because these two guys set the tone game one, game two, anything you can do, I can do better. I mean, that's almost what it was like. Justin Verlander starting off the first game, retiring 15 and 16 batters, five innings of no hit ball before he finally gave up a couple of runs in the six and, and left the game. But the Astros had the lead. And then Garrett Cole, I mean, one mistake to Lindor. He hangs that slider, the home run. Other than that, 12 strikeouts, uh, zero base on balls. I mean, truly historic feat that's only been done by Tom Seaver in the postseason to have uh, 10 plus strikeouts and zero walks. So, again, that, you know, the second game to follow it up with a performance with Garrett Cole does, and he was dominating, throwing almost 100 miles per hour, you know, through seven innings. Uh, I, I mean, he was just magical. And again, uh, yeah, to have those type of starters go out set a dominant tone i mean the astros have a couple of aces and this year also a very good bullpen is this the best two guys the best one two punch in astros history for a postseason i mean the astros have this incredible history of of great guys uh starting in postseason games i mean mike scott was fantastic and mike scott i would put especially like that 86 series with anybody ever but nolan he was good that series but I don't think he was anywhere near as dominant as Garrett Cole. I mean, let's calm down there just a second, though, because, yeah, I I agree. Like, Garrett Cole right now, the two, but we don't know throughout a whole postseason what he'll do. And the other thing is, remember, you had Roger Clemens and Roy Oswald and, and Andy Pettit, those three that were really good when the Astros went to the World Series and had postseason success both in 2004 and 2005. You know, we can only dream of what J.R. Richard might have been able to do if he had been able to pitch in the postseason with with Nolan Ryan that one time in 1980. What didn't happen? But yeah, you were talking about like Mike Scott, so dominant and, and Nolan Ryan that year. But who? But uh, yeah, I mean, if if they pitch like this the rest of the postseason and the Astros win a World Series, well then, yeah, you can make that claim. Uh, this is a great start, but it's a best of five series and we know you still have to close out a series before you can start putting in the historical uh, comparisons. Not only is it nice to have Verlander and Cole, but it, it helps to have Alex Bregman on your side too. Just a just a little bit, just a little bit. I mean, what what is it now? He's got six career postseason home runs, two off Chris Sale, one off Clayton Kershaw, one off Kenley Jansen. One off Corey Kluber, and maybe not those class, but who was it today? Was it Trevor Bauer that he hit one? Trevor Bauer. No, they're all like great. I mean, they're all all star baseball's best pitchers. Just clutch. And he was able to even when he did his slide when he came through with the the run following Altuve, he was able to get up and do his stare for a second too. So I mean, the guy's just you know he's. Uh, on another level right now. I, I tell you what, you know, it, it wasn't mentioned by us enough, probably wasn't mentioned by people around Houston enough, but uh, Josh Reddick and Marwin Gonzalez getting that momentum late in the season in September 
and they've taken it into the playoffs. You can't say enough about what that means because Marwin in game two comes up with the RBI, two runs, the biggest you know hit of the game for the Astros, I think. And then you, you throw in the fact that Josh Reddick and, and RG, you might remember this, Josh Reddick was... He wasn't good last postseason. Last postseason, his totals, he, he had like something like 169. He had that hit in the divisional series against Boston. And then from that point on, remember when they closed out that game up at Fenway Park? And then from that point on, yeah, I mean, he really struggled and was just not good. And 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 previously, the year before that with the Dodgers, he was not successful with them either. So, I mean, yeah, he's kind of had some a checkered past as far as his postseason has gone. But starting off here with game one, I was somebody that was already thinking, rolling my eyes again and thinking, oh, this is going to happen again. Because remember, Reddick hits in the double play. But credit Josh Reddick, you know, he was able to come up and he gets that that base hit, you know, helps uh, with the after the Bregman home run, the Astros are able to go up 2-0 at contribution of J- Josh Reddick there. You know, so, I mean, he basically kind of picked himself up and then had another hit against uh, Carlos Carrasco. And let's not forget, Carlos Carrasco was really good for the Indians. I mean, to me, that was one of the I want to get your thought on this. When the Astros, I mean, they hadn't been able to do anything against Carlos Carrasco. They'd really been struggling because he was able to mix his breaking pitches and his his fastball around the zone there. You know, he had not given up any runs. All of a sudden, Alex Bregman again draws the walk, right? They have men on first and second, and Terry Francona decides to go to the bullpen. He removes Carlos Carrasco, and that's what you're talking about. The Marwin Gonzalez hit. That was a huge hit because he's able to go opposite field. Terry Francona said after the game, Hey, I was looking, I, you know, Andrew Miller had success in those situations in the past, looking to get a double play ball. And I wanted to turn Marwin Gonzalez around to the right side. But if you have to look back in retrospect, I mean, baseball is all about second guessing. Uh, I mean, would it, would you have lifted uh, Carlos Carrasco the way that he was pitching the way that he was looking to you? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I know where you were going with that. Yeah, I was stunned. I was stunned. They took out Carrasco right there because. You know, if you're the Astros, what are you trying to do if you're going up against the Indians? You're trying to get into their bullpen. And you just basically did the Astros a huge favor because, RG, how many pitches did Carrasco have? He, did, he wasn't, like, extended or anything like that. He, he had gone through some quick innings, and this was his first trouble of the game. You, you're just going to bail on him after just a little bit of trouble at that point? Yeah, I didn't get it. That was weird. Yeah, I mean, uh, exactly. There were there was a uh, you know a pop possibility there for him to get out of that inning. That's why it was also kind of stunning to me because he, I mean he really was like pitching well to Bregman. Bregman was laying off some of the stuff. I mean Bregman had a great at bat, so it wasn't like well he was just totally off right there. Yeah, there's no shame in walking Alex Bregman right now. <laughs> yeah, and he had been able to get out of other situations, and he had been keeping the ball on the ground. Carrasco had been keeping the ball on the ground, so I mean that's what he does, and he's been one of the best. And the third time throughout the order, they mentioned that even on the telecast, he has a 203 batting average third time. He gets better as the game goes on. So it was really, I think Francona almost panicked a little there because he was, and maybe he was thinking back with, you know, Andrew Miller. And if I get him in the game right now, and he's, he's come up for me big in the past, but Andrew Miller's not the same Andrew Miller that was dominant uh, that we've seen in the past, he struggled with injuries this season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that was just it. And that really turned the game right there. The Astros score the two runs. They never look back. Then Bregman gets the home run off of, uh, you know, Tre- Trevor Bauer there. The Astros are up three to one. 
you know, you get maybe a little bit nervous there with towards the ends of the game because, uh, you know, the tying run comes up to the plate. But the Astros were never seriously threatened. They were able to escape with a three to one victory. And I mean, this really sets them up because this Indians lineup is good. They've only managed to come up with what, six hits over a two game stretch. Yeah, you were you were texting me through the first game saying, man, yeah. they just you, you got to go like seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven pitches with every one of these hitters because they just they keep at bats alive. And one of the things that, you know, I, I thought was going to be a key moment in the game, and, it, and I guess it still was a key moment, even though uh, the Astros still won. Uh, just going back to Josh Reddick, I'm curious what you thought of how just how A.J. Hinch handled that situation, because the Astros get the bases loaded. You definitely want to add some runs at that point. It, it wasn't where Alex Bregman had hit the home run yet to make it three to one. And the guy up to the plate was... Josh Reddick. Well, Josh Reddick already had three hits in the series. Like we said, he had been hitting well. So they bring in Evan Gaudis because it's the lefty-righty situation. Now, you could have also saved Evan Gaudis there if Reddick didn't do anything or something like that. You could have saved him to pinch hit for Maldonado after that. Now, what would you have done there? And by the way, the Maldonado thing, I was like, well, you, you could pinch hit for uh, Maldonado, because, you know, I don't trust Maldonado in that situation, but you got guys like Brian McCann or even Tony Kemp uh, that, that can work a count, that can draw draw balls, get get a walk. And with the bases loaded, that, that was some trouble. I, you know, the, the, someone also pointed out on Twitter, hey, Andrew Miller was looking really wild there. Why not let Josh Reddick take care of that at bat? Maybe not Gattis, who, you know, he swings from the heels usually, right? I think you just said it there, that last part, whoever that person was on Twitter is basically what, what I was going to say, too, because, look, Andrew, he threw the ball behind a batter when uh, who was Tyler White was up there. He threw it behind him. Right. I mean, he was e- extremely wild. You have the bases loaded in that situation there. And what do we know about Josh Reddick? I mean, even when he's struggling, uh, you know, a Carlos Correa is struggling as well right now. But those are guys that know how to work counts. They generally don't chase pitches. And they den- generally, as with Evan, Evan Gattis, you hit the nail on the head. We know he gets up there. He's looking to swing. If you have somebody up there where you know the pitcher's struggling, then maybe Terry Francona, like the bases are loaded there. He doesn't have – Andrew Miller doesn't have the command. He's obviously having an off day. You put Josh Reddick in there because maybe he doesn't want to remove – he wants to keep the lefty-lefty situation. Let's see if he can even throw strikes to Josh Reddick. Maybe Josh Reddick – gets a walk right there. If he does get a strikeout, I mean, I was AJ Hinch was looking, Hey, I can bring up Gaddis in this situation from his point perspective was if I, if he leaves Andrew Miller in the game here, maybe he doesn't remove Andrew Miller. You know, I bring in Gaddis right here, then Gaddis can crush it. But even going up against a Trevor Bauer, I feel like with the bases loaded and a man on third with uh, less than two outs that uh, Gaddis can drive a ball to the outfield, at least get an insurance run right there. It just didn't happen because Gaddis ended up going for the high fastball. He got him to swing at it and he popped it up. And then you have two outs right there. I wasn't as mad about that Maldonado situation because look, I mean, they really want him in there for defense at the end of games. And if you pinch hit there and then something happens to McCann or he gets injured or anything like that, I think that was maybe a factor in that too. And they, again, they like Maldonado, especially in tight, close games with his defense. So, but to your point, it was something that they could have done. I mean, it's all conjecture right there because like, you know, definitely better ABs from uh, against Bauer from a, you know, Tony Kemp potentially. I mean, because Maldonado was just over 
blown right there. I mean, he swung at three balls. I mean, they were just terrible. He swung at like, I don't know, was it a curve or a slider or whatever? The first pitch, the ball didn't yeah. start in the strike zone. It was like at his feet when when the ball was heading his direction. And then the ball, of course, ends up in the dirt and Maldonado swings at it. And I'm like, dude, the, it, wouldn't even, it didn't even start in the strike zone. It wouldn't even start close to the strike zone. What, what are you doing? And at that point, it was like, okay, this AB is pretty much over with because you know, Maldonado is Maldonado. I'm just curious, like, what do you think? What do you think of uh, AJ Hinch's decision to start Maldonado in both of these games? It basically looks like that Brian McCann is, you know, he's not going to play much in the, in the postseason. Um, I thought it might be a little bit more of righty lefty thing. He might see some matchups that he likes. I mean, I get it. Maldonado is good defensively, but the one thing that uh, Maldonado seems to be having problems with to this point is I mean those pitchers for the Astros are waving him off like a ton of times. You know that they they made the point in the broadcast, but they they keep shaking off and shaking off and shaking off whatever he's putting down. So you know I, I get it that there is defense of like throwing out base runners, blocking home plate and stuff like that. But defense is also like calling the right pitch. You know. Well, but then you again you can say how the Astros been pitching. They even if they're shaking him off and doing that, how what was the end result been? We've just been talking about it. Great efforts by the starting pitchers, great effort by the bullpen. So overall, you know, he's been behind that. So you have to give him credit too in that. I still think that they'll that Brian McCann will be utilized. But remember, he was out for most of the second half of the season, came back late. They required Maldonado because they wanted to have a, you know, frontline starting catcher that they could have for the rest of the season and into the postseason. Even if they're shaking him off, pitchers are comfortable working with him. When you're going up against, again, we talked about this before, when you're going up against the Indians and potentially if the Red Sox are able to win their series, teams that are, you know, have speed on the base paths, his ability to uh, keep those teams honest, if a if, if base runners are on, I mean, it's a big deal there. And let's not forget he had a home run in game one too. So, I mean, that had to like AJ Hinge probably felt comfortable penciling him into the lineup again because he was able to, you know, get a home run in the first game. Hey, the the hot bat's always going to find a way into the lineup. If you can call a home run from the catcher a hot bat. <laughs> yeah. I, sometimes I feel like, you know, he just swings hard and then the, you know, occasionally the ball strikes the bat. I mean, cause you look at his numbers, like for his career and you know, he's not a good hitter. Let's let's face it. He's actually played a little bit better for the Astros than he has elsewhere. But you figure that a guy kind of is what he is. And But but the other thing, too, that we might not be looking at, I didn't look at, maybe it's just that Brian McCann has a lot of statistics versus Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco. They might have seen, well, he hasn't fared well over his career. I, I still think Brian McCann will factor into the series. He'll have starts and maybe he'll have one with uh, matched up with Keuchel here. Uh, on Monday or uh, Charlie Morton, who knows if that goes to a game four. So I, I still think that he'll be in the series. And, you know, I mean, I don't, he's on the postseason roster. He's another catcher there. And you can br- always bring in Maldonado late in games for defense, too, for that purpose. The Astros really got a break. We had, you know, again, getting back to game one, because Car- Corey Kluber wasn't sharp. And his last few postseason starts, he's not pitched well. I mean, last year in the series with the Yankees, he was injured. He didn't pitch well in his first game with the Astros. He didn't pitch well. And this is, I mean, this is baseball's multiple Cy Young award winner. It's a guy who's one of the best pitchers in baseball, has great stuff. And he gave up 
you know, the home runs to the top of the order, Alex Bregman and George Springer and Jose Altuve. You're just not facing the same Corey Kluber. But then again, you know, that's always going to be something when you're looking and you're making out your the manager making out the card beforehand. It's like how is a certain player performed statistically over his career against a pitcher like Kluber. So and not many have had success. You know, you talked about Corey Kluber not having success in the postseason. You can be a great pitcher, and we've seen him. It's great in the regular season. You're like, this guy is just one of the best ever. I mean, you know, Kershaw to an extent. He's had some bad luck, but, you know, he's not been the, as dominant in the postseason as he is in the regular season. We've seen guys like David Price. And- Hall of Famers like Greg, Greg Maddox, I mean, didn't have the success in the postseason they had in the regular season. It doesn't d- diminish how great a pitcher that they were, though. They're- but the, but the, what I'm pointing out is the difference is Verlander and Cole, what they've done in the postseason – is equal or better? Well, Cole, remember he lost. Remember when he was with the Pirates? That's not necessarily true. He lost the the game that he remember he was pitching with the the Pirates when he was, uh, you know, their their wild card game. So he's had some struggles in the postseason too. It hasn't been, but uh, obviously his debut with the Astros, uh, one of the best pitching performances. And uh, other again than that, if he didn't give up that one that home run, we probably be talking about that seven inning performance as you know one of the greatest of all time, the 12, 12 strikeouts. And it still is. It's still a great postseason performance. He just had one mistake to Francisco Lindor. Yeah, he had, he had a really good game. I guess I was thinking that, that first at 2013. Right. Uh, he was one and one with a 2.45 ERA that year. Yeah, that, that, that one game... What was it? What was it? You said it was against the Cubs, right? In 2015, right? He had the the wild card playing game, right? Yeah, he gave up four runs in, in, in five innings. But yeah, I, I was thinking that that first, the first time he went to the postseason in 2013. Look, Justin Verlander's had tons of postseason starts. He's one of the best postseason pitchers he ever. But I mean, I still like Clark Clayton Kershaw is one of the best pitchers of all time, and he just hasn't. He did finally against the Braves in this year's. Uh, you know, and he had the great game against the Astros in game one of the World Series last year. He's had his moments more recently. But, yeah, I mean, the, uh, it's just sometimes you just can't put your finger on it why some guys, you know, who are great pitchers in the regular season, Cy Young Award winners, maybe some of the best pitchers of all time have a uh, struggle in the postseason. Uh, you look at the numbers, Marwin Gonzalez, uh, five hits so far. He's five for seven. Tyler White, he's got three hits. He's drawing intentional walks i mean he's been on base uh five times already in two games tyler white just keeps getting it done we don't have to tell you about alex bregman whatever he's three for six you know his ops right now is like 21 25 i mean yeah it's just unreal like i said josh reddick three hits uh in two games the last entire postseason he had seven hits total uh like i said it was 169 was his average there uh, George Springer, somebody else that's got hot late in the season and has already started off well in the playoffs again. So, I mean, all these guys that you didn't know what was going to happen when the postseason came because you're like, nobody's hitting. Nobody's hitting right now. It's a concern. And then, boom, a lot of these guys get it going in September and it, it changes everything. And you can live with, you know, Carlos Correa. He's still struggling, you know, 0 for 7 so far in the postseason. So we had that, you know, one good game at the end of the regular season, but you got to still get uh, Correa going a little bit. You hope he can turn it around. I, I want to ask you, because we, we haven't talked since they set the postseason rosters. We talked a couple of times about it. And what did you think? I mean, I'm shocked. Like Will Harris is on the postseason roster and Joe Smith, who 
prior to the Orioles series, that last series of the season, he'd given up, what was it, four runs in the second half of the year. And he's not on the postseason roster. I mean, James and McCullers, we kind of thought, well, you know, they got the arms. You got to fit them in somewhere. So, you know, there was some guys like Brad Peacock that got knocked off. But the last thing I figured was Will Harris. Not not somebody I'm really scared of. And he hasn't had good postseasons either. Well, but he had also pitched really well for his, his last several starts. A lot of it was A.J. Hinch was basing it on how he, he said right out that the reason why Hector Rondon had an over eight ERA since that point in late August through the end of the regular season. I know he had a, you know, a couple of scoreless stints. They said, oh, he fixed a mechanical flaw in his delivery. I think that was kind of stunning because Hector Rondon went from Astros closer end of July for a lot of the season until Roberto Asuna was acquired. And Roberto Asuna, even when he first arrived, Rondon was still closing out games. But he flamed out, uh, Rondon did, towards the end of the season. Well, to me, to me, this is we, we can learn from this that the Astros based their postseason on the hot hand. That's something you, you know from the future now. If, if Jeff Luno and A.J. Inch are looking out the filler postseason roster – just try to figure out who's hot because that, that's who's going to be on the postseason roster. Of course, but bullpen, we've seen this with bullpen arms in the past. It's uh, Usually you do go with – look, the main bullpen arms, Ryan Presley has been – since the Astros acquired him. I mean, he's been huge. He's one, they one of the Astros' best relievers. They have Roberto Asuna closing out games, and now they can add Lance McCullers to that. A.J. Hinge also said, you know, having Lance McCullers as this reliable arm that I can – I can use for the last six to nine outs of a game, along with Presley, along with uh, Osuna. Those are three formidable relievers that the Astros have right now. And so when you're talking about a Will Harris, I think it's more – Remember when we had Bill Brown on and he was talking about this is a very left-handed hitting lineup. And you you already are seeing it when you watch the Indians. Francisco Landor, Michael Brantley, then you have Jose Ramirez. And you, you, know, you, you keep going on down their lineup. They have a couple of righties there with Encarnacion and Josh Donaldson. Then goes back to the lefties again. And you know even down to Jason Kipnis at number nine is a lefty. So you have all these lefties in the lineup. So you have a Tony Sip. But then you also want to be able to have a guy like a, a, a Will Harris who can kind of keep him off balance and, uh, you know, has done well against lefties. So that was an important consideration. And then we mentioned this, too, about Josh James being a guy that you want to just be able to have a guy that can come in there like what we saw with Garrett Cole today. Right. I mean, the guy could still be throwing it up to almost 100 miles per hour. If you have somebody like Josh James, who can come in and give you anything. Just give it everything that you've got. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not going to get me debating you against Josh James because I'm super excited about I mean, of course, I think everybody is. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the, you know, Josh James marching in chowder society, as, as Vince Scully used to call it. But yeah, Josh James, no quite. Yeah, super happy that he's there. And Lance McCullers seems to have, you know, got things back together. And yeah, it, it, when Lance McCullers is on. You know, he's as unhittable as it gets. But look, what room do you have? I mean, we do the math here. I mean, if you have your four starters, the, you have uh, Ver- Verlander, Cole, uh, Keuchel, and uh, Morton. So that's four. You're keeping 11 pitchers. You already know, okay, these three guys, Osuna, 
uh, McCullers and Presley, they're definitely going to be on the roster there. Then you got Colin McHugh, who's been one of the best relievers for the Astros all season long. That's four. Then you want to add Josh James. That's a hundred mile per hour flame. You have to have him on the roster. Then you have to have your left-hander with Tony Sipp. So that gets back to, do you want Will Harris? Yeah, Will Harris is the only, that's the real, that was the real No, but I'm saying but that was your choice. Will, Will Harris, Joe Smith, Hector Rondon, and Brad Peacock. So the Astros, they did the numbers crunching here. And again, Will Harris, over the last like couple of months of the season, he had really pitched well. But what's funny is that, and people around baseball uh, recognize this, we haven't even talked about Chris Dubinsky, who was the Astros' best reliever for a lot of, you know, of 2017. Uh, <laughs> he didn't even make the roster. But a lot of people around baseball are talking about you know, the Astros pitchers that aren't even on the roster that didn't even make the roster as relievers, they could be the relievers for a lot of these playoff teams. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, you know, you, you, you can't say enough of what they've totally done to revamp this entire bullpen. And really, I mean, if you look at it, who, who was there from last year in the Astros bullpen right now? Tony Sipp? Is that he didn't even make the postseason roster? I mean, yeah. Yeah, he didn't make it. I mean, so that's that, that means. Nobody. You had Colin McHugh on there, remember, last year for a little bit. He came in and pitched like in the world. But he was kind of like the almost forgotten man because he had been, you know, uh, tossed out of the starting rotation. And, yeah, I mean, but the main relievers last year were, you know, Brad Peacock and uh, Chris Davinsky. And Peacock had been a starter. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's – and they had Francisco Liriano in the pen who's not with the team anymore, of course. You know, Lance McCullers, of course, helped close out games, so I guess you could say. But he was essentially a starter again too. So, yeah, you have this whole new revamped bullpen. And some of the guys who were key cogs last season, again, Peacock and Davinsky, aren't even on the postseason roster. And I and I like having Miles Straw on the roster too. I love having that option of speed. He's faster than Derek Fisher, isn't he? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, he's impressive. This this team is so darn good. I mean, just it spoils the hell out of you. Like it's hard. It's so hard to find. You're like, oh, okay, where where where's the where where am I concerned? You know, where's the weakness? And it's it's getting harder and harder and harder to find weaknesses on the Astros. And you know, one of the things that I was worried about about halfway through the year is the Astros had just they had dropped off big time with hitting with runners in scoring position. And lo and behold, they finished the year. They're second in Major League Baseball. And, you know, they're doing it again in the postseason. I mean, I mean, you're so confident when they've got a guy on second base and it's, well, Bregman's coming up or Springer or Yuli. Right. Any of these guys, practically, you're like, oh, OK, that they're going to figure out a way to, to do something. Tyler White, of course, you could throw into that mix, too. But it's super hard to find a weakness. So a couple last things I wanted to ask you about. I think this broadcasting crew has been terrible. Is it just me? No, I mean, I, mean, I don't think they're terrible. No, Don Orsillo is one of the best. Like he, he was for years with the Red Sox. And then he's also uh, the San Diego Padres announcer right now. And Dennis Eckerley uh, has, you know, been, look, they're not the greatest. I'm not saying that, that Dennis Eckerley is like one of the greatest analysts, but I mean. It seemed like Eckersley didn't know what the pitch Pitches that had just been thrown, he was calling a fastball, a slider, or a slider, a fastball sometimes. But it just, the main thing that I was noticing is just the total, I wasn't getting any real good information about either one of these teams. It's almost like they were shocked that these two teams were the teams that they were going to be covering in the play. Like we've known since what, like June 1st, that it's the Indians and the Astros were probably going to be in the playoffs. 
And, you know, they did, there wasn't any – there's no, no real information. And, and these two teams have been good for a long time. I'm not saying that they can't speak. I'm not saying that their voices are bad. Well, I, I just am saying Don Orsillo has been one of the – I mean, he was – Dave O'Brien took over for him a couple of years ago. It was like one of those things that a lot of people in the Red Sox nation were all upset about because he and Jerry Remy had been doing games for years, and he's a long longtime baseball announcer. He's just a – you know, he's not a very he's a Gene Elston type and we all love Gene Elston. But I mean, he's, he's a very dry announcer. I, I'm not saying this guy can't call a play. I'm not saying Dennis Eckersley doesn't know about baseball. My my point is that these guys just their knowledge of these two teams hasn't been good. Eckersley just doesn't seem to know what pitch was made. They're, they're, they're not setting up. I mean, one of the things that I would do as a broadcaster is like the Bregman thing has ki- kind of been a big deal all year. Uh, the stare. And he hits two home runs in this series. They make no mention of it uh, when it happens or like they're not like waiting for the Bregman stare. Geez, not everybody's into the pop culture that, yeah, you're you're not looking for the the Zoolander Blue Steel or something. Now, hey, I wanted to ask you, I want to get back more a little bit to base instead of the telecast. Uh, You were saying before about the Astros and not having much. They're just disappointed. to worry about. I still think there are a few concerns. And again, these are, you know, little, like the Astros are taking a, a commanding 2-0 lead here, but let's not forget in five game series. And we saw this last year, the Red Sox, when they won that game three, then all of a sudden the game four, AJ Hinch brings in Justin Verlander from the bullpen. Things change in a hurry until you can close out. The good thing is the Astros have been through this before. They've been through, they've won a world series, but they, they were down to the Dodgers, they were going to potentially go back to Houston down 2-0, and then Marwan Gonzalez hits a home run. Well, get, get, get to what your concern is because I'm waiting no, for No, I'm it. just saying they've been through that, but my concerns are, A, who's the starter in this next game coming up? It's Dallas Keuchel. Who's the starter that struggled the most this season, been the most inconsistent? It's been Dallas Keuchel. So this is a big game for him. I want to see how he's going to look in this postseason. The good thing is he's facing an Indians lineup that we talked about that's very left-handed. So it's an opportunity for him as a left-hander to go against a you know predominantly lefty lineup. Because when he goes up against the Yankees now, uh, you know, those right, or, or if that's a potential matchup in the next round or the Red Sox, you have J.D. Martinez and you have Aaron Judge. and Yeah, so, so you're, con- you're telling me your concern is the Astros can't pitch Verlander and Cole every single game. Yeah, no, I'm not saying, but we, look, I'm, my, my concern is Dallas Keuchel. How is Dallas Keuchel going to look? How is Dallas Keuchel going to be? Is he going to be able to get off and give you good innings? Is he going to be able to be the Dallas Keuchel that was his Cy Young Dallas Keuchel? Is he going to be what's he going to look like in the postseason? Second thing, we've already mentioned it a little bit, but it's Carlos Correa. How much further do you drop him in the lineup? How much how much of a leash do you give him there? I mean, as long as the Astros, we know that Springer is streaky and then you have, um, you know, Jose Altuve. Yeah, you're you're still a little worried with his injury and Correa's injury. And yeah, they, they aren't what they were last year, but that's why I made the point of how important it's been that Marwin and Springer and Raddick, all these guys, all of your sort of ancillary guys have gotten hot at the right time. And you've got so many guys up and down this lineup that can hurt other teams and the depth that they have. I mean, it's such a big deal. And yeah, yeah I'm, I'm kind of always worried about Keiko because he's not a blow away guy. He's not going to 
you know, throw 100 miles an hour. We know it. That's what he's been his whole career. But in his Cy Young year, you and in, 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 in previous postseasons, and last year, remember, at, starting off against the Red Sox, he, it was Keuchel and it was Justin Verlander that we were talking about, like, you know, the two, the aces of the staff of the Astros and everything. Keuchel just hasn't had the same season this year. It's his pending free agent year. I just want to see what he's able to do because I've seen him pitch masterpieces, and he has been a really good postseason pitcher for, uh, you remember, pitching the wild card game against the well, Yankees. It's, it's only one thing with him. It's really one thing. I mean, it's the first inning. I mean, you could boil it all down. If well, he gets out of the first that's inning. A, that's a big thing because it's going to progressive field now, right? And in, in, uh, in, in, in Cleveland. And so you have that. It's a game three. You can put, you know, you can close out the Indians. You want to get that good start from Dallas Keuchel coming up. You want him to get that good first inning so that you can build upon that and maybe close out Cleveland in three. Because a lot of times these divisional series, you know, they don't even go. If you win the first two games, I mean, you know, they're, I know we can talk about the Yankees and the Indians last year. You know, Yankees lost for it, and then they ended up winning. But that's rare. Most of the time, when you win the first two games, it ends up being done in three, maybe four games. Well, here, so, I mean, here, here's what I do. I, I warm up Josh James or Colin McHugh. They're warming up in the first – they're in the bullpen in the first inning. This is what I do. You know, it's like, Keichel, if you start getting in trouble in the first inning – those two guys are coming in. You're asking me about Dallas Keuchel. That's what I do because that's that that's your concern because all all year when he gets out of that first inning, usually he's good. He's fine. He's not good. He's great. I mean, it's it's pretty it's a, it's been a pretty simple formula. But Keuchel, you know, he's had a pretty good postseason record so far. I mean, you look at last year and he wasn't great all of last season, but in the postseason he pitched pretty well. There were some issues, obviously. In Game Five, as there was on the other side with uh, Kershaw, was in Game Five that it was Keuchel and Kershaw that were uh, stumbling out of the block, and it turned into home run derby. Yeah, that was home run derby that night. Uh, the yeah, the famous uh, Game Five of the World Series. But yeah, uh, yeah, with Keuchel, if that's the concern, and Correa, I, I don't know. I don't know if you you just have to rely on the fact that look, he gives you the best defense out at shortstop. Uh, you got other guys in the lineup. Maybe at some point he's, he just finally starts getting it going. But, you know, again, they're, they're not perfect. There is not a perfect team. It's baseball. No. There, there aren't these, like, glaring weaknesses that a lot of times you see from playoff teams. And when you look at the other teams right. and, and, and every other series, start looking around, there, there's some weaknesses and there's some pretty big holes, big, big holes. I mean, we talk about the Red Sox bullpen the Yankees starters I mean you know wherever you want to go with who's left in the playoffs and yeah there's some there's some issues but I mean the Astros it's exciting and I and speaking of exciting I would like to see some excitement from our fans I mean the Astros fans these first two games maybe TV's not doing it justice maybe the crowd think might... TV's doing it justice because I see totally different things on the internet so I don't know that I, I think the, the crowds have been loud they've been packed houses I mean I, I don't see I mean it seems like they don't get up you know that the crowd doesn't really get up unless they just scored a run I, I, that's not true either because I, I I saw like when you get two strikes on a batter or man on third you know they the crowd gets up or standing up I don't know I, I think that Sometimes, I mean, it just depends on like how television presents it or does it. I mean, not every stadium is going to be like the Bronx where your TV's shaking because of uh, yeah, yeah, a Yankee fan just going completely, uh, you know, insane. Yeah. If you if you agree with me or you agree with RG, let us know. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit us up on Twitter. HST podcast. Hit us up on Facebook. Email us. 
Uh, it's all in the show description. It's easy to find there. But yeah, it, it, it might be it maybe television isn't putting it across. You know, it just seems to me I don't see the fans engaged until the, the, the big situations come up like like it was a regular season game. Hey, Houston's a baseball town now. It's all about the Astros. Come on, get in the spirit and the feeling. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to tell me. I mean, I got my niece was out shopping for Astros gear today. And, you, you know, that's the, the my my sister has has uh, the, the two girls looking for Astros jersey to wear for their, you know, yearly pumpkin patch Halloween pictures that they're, she, she's doing for them. So, but oh, by the way, speaking of, uh, I'll get a little uh, personal here. Just coming off the injured list myself, it's been an interesting couple of days. I decided uh, uh, the appendix was something that I didn't care for. So I just uh, reached into my stomach and grabbed it, yanked it out of my body, like, you know, uh, some sort of... Uh, movie style hero no i i had to go get surgery for that it was it was not fun archie don't don't do that don't don't get the appendix uh issue it's painful it is a very very painful thing i imagine it is i'm glad you're okay though and back to normal doing a houston sports talk podcast and you'll also be doing locked on texans i I feel lighter you know i think i lost a little bit of weight there with that so i feel a little bit Yeah, that's not a good weight loss recommendation try jenny craig instead if you want to lose weight Uh, yeah i wouldn't recommend it it's it's not fun but you know the appendix it's up on ebay it's up for sale if anybody's interested (laughs) well glad you're okay though at least and you're back home the surgery was successful and it's it's good to have you back and on the air yeah it's it's good to see the astros go up two to nothing that that was pretty cool any anything last 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 statement any predictions the Astros are going to sweep this it's thing? Good. I I mean, I'm always nervous. You know, God, I, I, I'm sure a lot of people are listening out there the same way. I just can't relax. It's never easy. With, so it's just like, hey, hang in there, folks, and everything like that. But feeling awfully good. I wanted to win these first two games at home. We we all did. Houstonians get a 2-0 lead. But it's not going to be easy. Your uh, Astros are going to, uh, you know, Cleveland, the the. Indians uh, are down to their they're playing for everything so that's going to be a tough game you're, you're telling me you're not even you're not a little bit less nervous that now that the Astros have a World Series title under their belt look I think the Astros are going to advance and like like I was just saying before most times you go up 2-0 you end up sweeping or, or or you know winning the series in four so it's not that I'm not confident here and hey you know it's a five game series these five game series can change on a dime and that's what we saw last year that's the reason why these days now that you know, managers almost make these panic moves. I mean, Justin Verlander coming in from the bullpen last year at Fenway Park, he'd never done that before, you know, so it's just like until you can, you know, close out this series, until you can move on to the next round, because seven game series are completely different. You might give a game or two or, oh, that's okay. And these, you don't want to concede anything. You just want to get out of this round. So, but it's looking very good to your point. Hey, I'm very excited. Astros winning these first two games in Houston, holding serve. Now they just need to win, hopefully game three, wrap it up, get rested for the ALCS. But if not, you know, just win it in, you know, these next one of these next three and move on to the next round. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you lose with Dallas Keuchel, I mean, you got that awful non-clutch throwing panic guy that yeah Charlie Morton no he's fine he'll be fine and and the Astros still got him and 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 if worse comes to worse you got Verlander admit it made for game five. Well, you think you have Verlander admit it made for game five. We thought that last year, too. And then, like, at the bullpen, he comes running out there, like, you know, in the middle of game four. Or, you know, so, I mean, it's just like you don't know. But you would have either 
yes, you'd have either probably uh, Justin Verlander or Garrett Cole starting a game five for the Astros. Yeah, I, I don't think it was. I don't think it's going to be the same thing as last year because last year they didn't have guys that they trusted in the bullpen. That's one of the big reasons why Verlander was out there in game four. I think that's different. And and to to your point about you know I'm still stressed. No, I it's totally different. I mean. I could just tell there's, I have a different feeling watching these games after winning the world series. You're like, man, yes, the, the, Astros, thing. the Astros have done this before. You know, it is cool. Like I, I know that in, in my lifetime I have seen it. And, and so <laughs> that, that's something that I can sort of hang my hat on if things fall apart. But the other thing is they've won this thing before. And these are a lot of the same guys. So I have my confidence level and these guys are through oh, the for roof. Sure. For sure. I just, you know, yeah, that's that's but they're going for back to back here and they win the first two games here and and setting things up, get to the ALCS, you know, that's but it hasn't been done yet. So that's all I'm saying. So they got some business to. But the one thing is they were baseball's, you know, best road team this past year. They're a very good road team. They're comfortable on the road. So that's that's another thing. You know, hopefully they'll make improvements, whoever they face, you know, because in the next round, if it's against the Red Sox, they won't have. Uh, if they can luckily advance, I don't want to put them in the next round yet, but if they can, uh, the Red Sox would have a home field advantage. And then remember last year, the Yankees uh, beat the, the Astros all three games in the Bronx. So it's, it's something, but this year being a much better road team, being, being confident, like you said, having that swagger, being a defending champion and playing their best ball right now because of their September record and the way they were able to come into the postseason. There's so many reasons to be positive, optimistic, and confident about this team. So you hope they can just keep building with this swagger, eliminate Cleveland because you just don't want to give a, you know, like a, a wounded dog life, you know, here going to, you know, they're, Cleveland's uh, or wounded animal, right? So they're you just don't want to see them uh, come up, come alive again here. So uh, it's going to be an interesting series still, but I'm excited and yeah, got to say, you know, Astros making it uh, once again a very fun, exciting roller coaster. Hopefully not too much of that, but a very exciting October. We're going to try to keep bringing you as many of these post games as as we possibly can, assuming. I don't have to have any new body parts taken out of me uh, over the next few weeks. I think some people listening to us might think, hey, maybe these guys need a lobotomy or something like that. But, you know. <laughs> Go Strohs, baby. Go Strohs, right? Thanks again for listening. And if you're new to the show, subscribe to Houston Sports Talk on iTunes, Stitcher, or the TuneIn app. You can keep up with this show and my daily Locked On Texans podcast on Twitter and Facebook or by going to HoustonSportsTalk.net or LockedOnTexans.com.